Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here over the airwaves with Pastor Dave Rudat. The wrong Dave is not jumping on with us this morning yet. If he decides to jump on in at some other point, I'm sure we will welcome him as this is a very welcoming space. Um, that is what we have been told before, that we are we are are hosts of a very welcoming space. Um, yes, we have lots of advice to give to people. Like, you can't deal. plant flowers if you haven't bought any. Sorry, that was the wrong I'm joke. glad you got the cricket set up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one I had is that, because I'm get, approaching my vacation, and uh, I was watching this documentary about putting two metal plates together. It was riveting. <laughs> Well, so you can see where this show is going. Um, <laughs> but no, we welcome you to to uh, the Casting Nets. Um, if you first time listener or if you've been with us for a while and, and maybe kind of forgot where we go and what we kind of do is it is about real life and living faith. And so I know for previous shows and, and a lot of what we do, uh, of course, is some Bible study looks and debunking things uh, about ministry. This one is is not a Bible study and it is not a debunking. It is more of a practical matter. And so the show that we have prepared for you is is one that kind of is near and dear to my heart in a little bit because I've had to practice it in my own ministry and in my own life. It's it's kind of near and dear to um, Pastor Rudot's heart because um, he is, he's had to digest some of this and, and work his way through some of this. And I think every pastor has in some, some sense as well. Um, <clears throat> but what... Uh, uh, we are going to talk about today might in some ways be, uh, I'm not going to say triggering, but but might ask, uh, make you ask some questions because it's, it's going to really be uh, focused on having you take a look backwards into uh, application, not only how you have applied God's word in certain things, but how has your pastor, how has your congregation applied God's word in certain things? And so um, we have an opportunity to, to really kind of jump on in and look at the applications of how we live out our faith, live out our, our callings, live out our, uh, um, our scriptures, and, and how do we do this in the, in the life that God has, has given to us. So that being said, um, it is two pastors just having a conversation. This is the start of a conversation, not the ending by any means. Um, I put together the notes today, so it's probably going to reflect that, um, just so everybody knows. Um, if you have any questions, we welcome them. You can catch me here uh, any given Sunday uh, at uh, St. John's in Maribel, Wisconsin. You can catch Pastor Rudot at uh, Emmanuel and Shirley on any given Sunday, except this Sunday, because he's not preaching this Sunday. He's decided that he's done. Maybe he'll come back the week after. Um, uh, I'm actually not coming back the week oh, after either. You're not. You're, no. you're done. You're just, just done. done. You're two weeks. Yeah. You're going to be gone. Yep. So, um, uh, but you can most of the time catch him there. I think Pastor Rose is preaching for you. So this is a good question to ask Pastor Rose if you're going to be in Emmanuel Shirley. Um, otherwise, you can send us an email, castingnetspod at gmail.com. Get us on Facebook as you're watching this after the fact. Uh, throw in a note there. We'll we'll try to keep track of some of those things that come through on that. And uh, otherwise, join the conversation and enjoy um, what we have to share.
So I just have to ask, you have a couple of visits coming up? I do. That's why you're wearing the collar. That's yeah. It. Yeah. I He's thought maybe some... if we'd have time, we could talk about the, uh, this might be another example of principle go, going, yeah. Going back to the principles and why we do something. <laughs> Absolutely. But it was, it, and also because I'm getting ready for vacation. So I needed that, uh, little reminder. You're, you're still a pastor, Dave. You still have things to do. There you go. We all need that reminder, um, to be, to be who we are and where God has placed us. Oh, welcome. Um, again, uh, so, the 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 if you saw the tagline on the show it is uh uh to the principle and beyond and and you probably said to yourself what does that even mean in general what that means is um in scripture we have principles these are life principles these are our uh, spiritual principles these are things that the lord lays out for us and and they really are the they're the norm for life, as as our confessions would say, um, that these are the things that we live for. These are the things that we base all of our judgments on. And if you have been in any church, if you've had to deal with any child, if you have um, had to deal with anybody you've become exasperated with, you've probably noticed that um, you have a tendency to go less to the principles and say, well, here's how I should conduct myself. Here are the 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 things that I, I should keep in mind, um, and then reapply. Instead, you go to previous applications, and you continue to just use the previous application. This is kind of where this show um, is, is found its origin. So, so what we want to talk about today is just the continuing encouragement and the reasons why um, the Lord calls us to go back to the principle calls us to go back to here is what um, the Lord has given to us. Here is what he, he has shared with us within his holy word. Um, and now reapply it to every new situation, every situation that comes, go back to the principle and reapply. Uh, and we're going to have some, two examples, at least from the scriptures that we, we, we went and had those examples and then kind of open up the conversation from there. What do you think? Sounds great. All right. So um, that, since it sounds great, and and he is all in favor of jumping on board this sinking ship, let's jump on into uh, uh, our our thoughts for today. So Matthew chapter twelve is where we want to take our listeners, um, and we want to take a look at the first fourteen verses. All right, Matthew chapter twelve. We're using the Evangelical Heritage version, as you can see on your screen, or if you're listening on online, you can open up your Bibles as well. Uh, compare the Evangelical Heritage Version to whatever version you're reading, or if you have the Evangelical Heritage Version, you can follow right along. So chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick heads of grain and eat them. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, what, are your, what your disciples are doing is unlawful on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered God's house and ate the bread of the presence, which was lawful only for the priest to eat, not for him or his companions. Or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath days the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? But I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. Yet, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from there, he went into their synagogue. A man was there who had a withered hand. Looking for a way to accuse Jesus, they asked him, 
Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days? He said to them, Who among you, if you have one sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do good? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he took the man, then he told the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored, as healthy as the other one. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, considering how they might put him to death. Well, there you go. So we have placed before us um, two situations, and both of them are dealing with the Sabbath. And so um, uh, that's probably one of the best places to start, because um, you have you have this this um, traditional view of the law. And, and, and the view of the Sabbath that uh, uh, is given to us by the Pharisees. And then you have the application of what the Sabbath is um, as the Lord goes and he now applies this into the church. Um, and so the first one is is just uh, seems very straightforward, right? You're walking through the fields, you're hungry, there's something there. You, you kind of pluck something off of uh, one of the sheaves there and you break it open and you're eating it. Now, accordingly to the... to Jewish custom and, and Jewish law and interpretation of keeping the Sabbath day holy, um, they would look at that and say, well, that's considered work, right? There's a, there's a long list of laws that, are, that, that they differentiate and say, okay, this is considered work. This is considered okay. This is what you can do. This is how far you can walk. You can't go any further than that. Um, and, and so you, have, you, you now have the, the, the case set up. So the case that is set up is they're harvesting, quote unquote, Right, they're harvesting, which is against the Sabbath laws, and the way that the uh, they would apply. In, in many ways, they had turned the Sabbath into an arbitrary. It seemed like an arbitrary set of rules. This is what you can and cannot do. Whereas the Sabbath and all of its rules that God gave in the Old Testament was really a reflection of a principle that God had said: "You guys are set apart. You are holy. You are my holy nation." This is the principle. Now this is how this principle is played out. We're going to do these, this, that, and the other thing. Where the Pharisees had completely reversed it, where it was just about the rules but rather than the principle of what does it mean to be a holy person? What does it mean to be uh, one of God's people? Well, and, I, and, and to be honest, I don't know if necessarily, and, and I'm not defending the Pharisees at all, but, but you can see where their laws were established to help focus people on the Sabbath day in the, in the sense that, in general, you should not be doing on, on the Sabbath day the same thing that you do every day. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the point. The point is that you're taking a rest from the everyday labors and you're focusing on the gifts of your Lord and you're, you're taking a step back as he took a step back from creation and you're enjoying what, what is there. And so you can understand in many respects where they would be like, okay, you know, every day you're harvesting every day you're doing, don't do that on the Sabbath. But they, the, their application became so rigid that's I think that that's really what where Jesus is focusing this. The the application becomes so rigid. I'm going to apply this same thing to every single occurrence. And what does it mean to harvest? Oh, by picking grain, therefore you're harvesting. But that's they're doing com- something completely different than they did the rest of the week. Um, right. But they were still eating on that which they're supposed to still eat on the Sabbath. So it wasn't necessarily that they were uh, engaging in the act of harvesting, but they were just simply hungry, needing something to eat. 
Yeah. Or, or I would say, you know, an, a misuse of the, the application would be if you're a farmer, if you're a farmer and you're like, okay, I have to cut, I have to cut and dry and harvest the hay, but this whole next week it's going to rain. And, and the only, you need that, you need like three days, consecutive days to be able to cut, to fan out and dry or, and then bail all of this. And it just happens that I have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Those are my days. Um, and, and all of a sudden you're out there and you're, you're bailing hay, you know, to the Jewish people, they'd be like, okay, you can't do that. This is the Sabbath day. Well, in their, in their sense, it would have been a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's not that, 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 that is a, a misapplication, right? Um, so we would go back to the principle and this is where we're really the, the, the point of the matter is and what Jesus does is he goes back to the principle. Then he says, all right, what is the principle? The principle is, is that you are giving thanks to God. The principle is that you are, you are taking a rest day um, and that you are going to focus on the gifts that God has given. Now, in this case, there is nothing else around. There, there, there is nothing else for them to eat. So what are they going to do? You, you can't starve, so you eat. Right, and he uses the example of of David. <laughs> he goes in, and normally it is not that the showbread is not for anybody who just walks in, but you see that the priests at that time were doing what was right. They were going back to the principle and saying, "This is to feed God's people, right? This is the bread to feed God's servants, and and now we have an opportunity to share that." And so they did. Um, and, and so you see going back to the principle and then applying it anew to every situation. Um, and this is one of the things that, that natural human beings, because of sin, um, and you see it in the Pharisees, we don't like. We, we don't like to have to go back to the principle and rethink application. Because when we have to go back to the principle and rethink application, we might offend somebody. Number one, I, I would say. Number one is... is um, why did you treat them differently than me? Right? You're going to get that question. So, I don't know. Can you think of a, um, uh, a discussion where that would have happened? I'm trying to think back in my head where there's a couple of times where where we different we applied it differently to different people. Um, I, I the only example I had in my head was um, a recent thing that happened here at Emmanuel. What color should the pyramids be? On a particular Sunday, I think it was we were the, the the those who were serving couldn't be there every Sunday because they had other obligations, and they're like, "Well, Pastor, we gotta, you know, what color should they be?" And I'm like, "This," or I think it was Ash Wednesday way back in Lent. Like, should Ash Wednesday be purple or should it be black? And if it meant that individual needed to take time off from their schedule to come out here and change it to black and then change it back to purple, I I went to them and I said. Yes, there's a rule here that says Ash Wednesday is black, but what's the principle? You are serving the Lord, and but you are also serving the Lord in your vocation as a mother or, and as a parent. So let's go back to that principle and say, whichever works best for you. Will will we we use purple on Ash Wednesday? Nobody batted an eye, but the whole the whole it wasn't like we were trying to follow rules. It was more of like we went back to the principle. This this uh, having the different colors for the different seasons of the year. Is uh, um, is a is a it's a, a application of the principles of trying to get our heads ready and our minds and our hearts ready for uh, Easter. 
but how we apply those principles is going to be different because we're actually working through the doctrine of this, we're doing this in, in service to the church, but we're also recognizing that those who are serving the church in this way have their own vocations that they have to balance out. And so we have to juggle those doctrines, those Absolutely. And, and I would say that, the, you know, in my own ministry, there's times where, and that was a, probably a lighter application of it, but I've had to go back in my own ministry and, and, and there's been times where I've had to say, all right, so the the application of the sixth commandment, I had to apply it to go back. What is the app? What is the sixth commandment that you you honor the marriage bed, right? Um, and I, I had a member who who did not think that the relationship that they were in and the way that they were living was wrong, and they're like, "Well, I I come and I get forgiveness, and then I go back, and that's fine. Everybody sins all the time. What's the big deal?" So the application of the sixth commandment for that person was, "All right, well." church discipline is, is, is a thing and we're going to have to practice it on you. Um, and, and please, while we work this out and work through this, don't come for the Lord's supper because you're, you're slapping God in the face. Well, it was not so many months later. I had another instance in the ministry where someone came forward and, and it was like, okay, I found myself in this situation and this is not a good situation and I know it's wrong. And I am working my best to get out of this situation. Um, same outward issue, right? Living together. Right. Same outward issue. Totally different um, heart of the person involved. And so the application of the sixth commandment took on a totally different vein than the application before. I mean, it could have been easy to say, okay, well, now hammer down, you know, your church discipline. And and there and there were people in the congregation that I remember that they said, you know, why aren't you doing this? And and I had to say, because you're not privy to other conversations. That's just the, the, the way it is. And that's kind of where I view this, this idea of the Sabbath day, right? Um, you know, the Sabbath day is for rest. Yes, the Sabbath day is for a time for us to focus and do something different with our, our lives and our days that we are, we are looking. And this is where the Lord hits, hits it very hard. He says, but the, the Sabbath day is created for people. Right, he's going to get into that uh, in the in the next or in, in nine through fourteen. The Sabbath day is created as God is gift gifted to you, um, and there is going to be a time in a sinful world that we live in where maybe you're not going to be able to do what you want to do on that Sabbath day. <laughs> Which in the Lutheran Church we give you an out, right? In the Lutheran Church we give you an out, which is you can celebrate it any day. <laughs> so if that Sunday doesn't work, okay, that's fine. Um, you can come and worship at a different time, or you can take the time to worship at a different time. So, I do like in Matthew chapter 12 that the Pharisees ask a question of Jesus, and Jesus answers the question they should have asked rather than the question that they asked. So they asked, you know, why— wh- wh- look, what your disciples are doing is unlawful on the, on the Sabbath. Why are you allowing this? And the question that they should have asked would be, what is this Sabbath really about? And right. Jesus answers that question. This is what the Sabbath is really about, a mercy, not sacrifice, about how God has set us apart as his holy people, as he has shown us mercy by, by sending, promising to send his son. Well, of course, he's right there in the flesh. But sending that one sacrifice to make you holy, 
um, and the, and so and because of that, God has declared us to be holy um, in His sight. So that's what the the Sabbath day is about: is this wonderful that God has given everything back to us, this world that He has given, and us to rest in what He has done for us. That's what the Sabbath day is really about. And then, yeah. and the second, um, the second question where they ask him, "Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath day?" Jesus instead says, "You know, the question you should really ask: which is greater, man or the Sabbath? Which is which is more important, the keeping of the observance of the day or the people that are observing it?" And so he answers that question rather than the question that they asked. Well, and he and and doesn't he in that way also go back to the principle and say, "What is the the point of the like in this case? What's the point of the Sabbath that yeah. you gain rest?" What greater rest can you gain than in healing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the the very answer to their question, you know, the, it's right. not just man over over the over a day, but it's yeah. you know the whole point of the day is that you gain rest, that you would gain healing for your soul, and in this case, healing for you bodily. Yeah. Why why would you not do that? Right. An example um, of the sheep. Uh, well, if why are you creating more work for yourself by making your by lowering your income, by letting the sheep die because it's on the Sabbath. Why is, how does that work with Sabbath being a time of rest from work when you're creating more work for yourself in the long run? Right. Because exactly. you're, you're following the principle rather than looking back at the, I'm sorry, you're following the application rather than going back to the principle. What is it well, all about? And this is, this is and, and I hate to say it, but this is where, where I think um, we as people, we, we gravitate, right? We, we want laws, um, mankind, we gravitate towards laws. If I can make, if I can make a law that states this is how how everybody should respond or how how you should respond to every situation, that makes it easier on me because then I don't have to think it through, right? It it it, it makes it makes it makes response very very easy, almost a knee jerk reaction. Um, and and we live in society that is like that. We do. We, we we live in a society that is like that. I mean, um, you deal with the, the you deal with um, all of the the hundreds and thousands of sheets of paper that are written about bylaws and things like that in corporations, and you have and the whole HR departments that their their entire job is to know those bylaws so that if somebody has one little infraction, they can get called upon. And 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 we're like, well, that's just because everybody wants. First of all, what was the principle? The principle is, okay, we want to have everybody in decent and good order. I, I get it. But if someone makes an infraction on accident because we're sinners, because that's how, you mean you throw the book at them. Is that really the point? What, what, I mean, that's we like to say that unless you're the one that they're throwing the book at. But then it's like, well, why did they do that? Well, you were happy with it with someone else. But are you really... It, but that's the that's the law thing, right? That's what the law does. The law wants us to make knee-jerk reactions. The law wants us to, in our own sinful nature, I should say, wants us to make the knee-jerk reaction on the law. Condemn everybody until it's me. And then we want everyone to be understanding. Yeah. And give me a second chance. <laughs> right. Yeah. We are uh, always looking to ourselves for, look at how I kept the law, rather right. than uh, look at what Jesus has done for me. I think right. we went through that with uh, the pandemic, and I hate to, you know, people are sometimes sick of the pandemic, but it was, a lot of that was, well, look at us, we did this, and you guys did that. Yeah. And it was, and rather than looking at each of these congregations, or each of these individuals had principles that they were 
engaging with and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to love my neighbor, but then someone else says, well, because you did this, you were afraid. Well, no, I wasn't. I was doing this out of love. That, that was the principle I was going after. It wasn't fear, but you assumed it was fear because it wasn't the same practice that you picked up on so, right. or that you followed. Uh, which, is, which makes it very difficult. Yes. Because um, even as a synod where we say we walk together, right? Um, walking together doesn't mean that we're always applying the principle in the same way. Um, case in point, uh, some congregations have um, ladies that help usher. And some congregations look at that and they say, absolutely not. It goes against the principle of male headship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, um, sir, uh, what did they, what are the new, tan- they don't call it male headship anymore. They call it, uh, uh what's the new paperwork that's on it now? <laughs> the patriarchy? No, no. <laughs> patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? Uh, uh, the, the, the servant helper and servant leader. There you go. So it's a, it's a breaking of the servant leader, um, position, right? Because, um, you have them handing out bulletins and, and helping people into the church, um, whatever that may, may be. It really, it's not, for one thing, but, but it's that knee-jerk reaction to this is the principle and this is how we've always applied it. And instead of going back to the principle and saying, does this really break the principle? You're just saying, well, this is how we've always applied it, so it has to be right. Yeah. And so, so if they're doing something wrong or doing something I don't like or that w- – doesn't feel comfortable to me, or if they're if they're following something that's that's not what my church does, then all of a sudden it's wrong. And and, and so here's here's another case in point. So I, I I I watch sometimes services online from other churches, and you look and you're like, okay, their altars have a band up in front, and their altars have have uh, no pulpits. Um, not that I use my pulpit all the time anyway, but but they have no. It doesn't look like a church, right? It looks more like a, a stage. Does that a, is it wrong? What's the principle? You know, you got to go back to the principle. Word is the word being being shared. Is the sacraments being given in a, in, a, in its rightful way? Um, there's nothing in the scriptures that say a band can't be up right. there at the same time. How does our yeah? It doesn't say that we have to have this as our worship space. Yeah. Right. There's nothing in scripture that details that other than, I mean, some people have said, well, if you go back into the old Testament and you see how the temple was made and then you see how, how the tabernacle was made, that's how our worship is supposed to be. Okay, fine. Let's follow that. Freestanding altar. Don't push it back to the wall. <laughs> um, get me a curtain. <laughs> I mean, how far, yeah. how far do you want to go? with with that one right how, how far do you want to go with that one um so we come back to the principle yeah i do think that oh, i'm sorry no I, i'm just saying that principle isn't oftentimes like sitting there all by itself where the application is or the the um, i'm sorry the application the practice doesn't isn't neutral it has some some connection with doctrine in some way shape or form so you put a band up in front you're like, what is the principle that is being displayed with that? What could be perceived? And so each congregation has to wrestle with that. So the practice that you do as a congregation isn't necessarily faulty because of the practice in and of itself. But what is the doctrine that is that they're they're using as a reason for it? You know, perhaps you have a band up in front because that's the only space for the band to be. Right. Um, perhaps you have a because that's where 
you have a altar, a freestanding altar, because you have a huge chancel, and now you want to you want to cut down on the space. So there's there's concepts and or principles. you have one pushed back because you don't have the space. Yeah, you don't have the space. Yeah, but and, and I I think that's that's the that's the beautiful part of what we're trying to say is it, sometimes you deal with one principle in scripture and and okay then you apply it and and that's hard enough. But there are times where you have multiple principles in scripture that that you're you're looking back on and you're saying okay um we have we have three different principles in scripture that we want to push forward right we want to highlight the word we want to highlight the sacrament we want to um we want to keep our worship leaders humble and so what are we doing how are we going to make this all of these are principles in scripture right we that we want to we we want to uh, not make ourselves higher but we want to make god's word higher so how do we do that? And then sometimes you look at the saying, okay, well, this is the space we have allotted. And so maybe, maybe the, the principle of, in the case of having a band up in front, maybe the principle is we don't want them to, to think that this is a show. We don't want them to think that this is because we want to keep them humble and they have, and recognize that this is a service to the Lord to help lead the people in their worship. We just don't have the space. There's nowhere else to do this. And so that one takes kind of a lower level in the in the grand scheme of putting it all together, mm-hmm. um, and and it's not a right or a wrong, depending on how they have approached that. I mean, if they approached it and said, "Well, we just think that this is the best place for them, so everyone can see them." Okay, well, first of all, you're starting it off on the very wrong foot, <laughs> right? Um, and and so you need to be having more theological conversations um, than that. I mean, yeah, and it it, it merits a conversation with that congregation before you start saying, well, because they have a band up front, therefore they are demeaning the means yeah. of grace. Yeah. Um, so it merits a conversation. What is the principle for why you have a band up front? And it could be just you know good stewardship. We have all this technology and stuff. Uh, we got to make sure the the words are up there, and the best best way to have the band to see the words to see their music. Um, those kinds of things. So there's all kinds of reasons why that might be up there. And for us as individuals to assume um, this is the reason why is, I think, is, is faulty. The same is true as if you see somebody up there in a white robe or somebody wearing all kinds of, not just the stoles, but he wears the, the next layer up, whatever that next layer up. Oh. And you, yeah. And uh, you, would, you make an assumption, well, that person just likes to wear pretty things. That's the reason why. And you don't or have their high church or their <laughs> right. They think they're better than the rest of us because they're wearing all the stuff. Whereas you would ask them, well, what's, what's the principle? Well, that individual wants to hide themselves as much as possible. So this is the, right. the principle. Now, again, ev- everything that we do as Christians, we're doing it in the midst of other Christians. And so there has to be some recognition that there are other Christians involved, that there are other consciences involved. Um, but I think it's a two way street for us as Christians, not just that we assume the worst of the other individual, but also for us to recognize in some ways what we do also communicates a message to those around us. And and you know what? I wanna I I wanna piggyback off that because I think that is a huge thing that 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 sometimes churches don't think about um and people don't think about is that is that the as a church you're not the only church in an area. Right, you're not the only, especially in in our areas here. We're not the only Lutheran church in the area, and so the things that we look at and we're like, okay, principle wise, 
going back to the principle, what is it that we want to do? What is it that, that the Lord has encouraged us to do and has given for us to, to keep in our hearts and our minds? Okay, now we're applying it and we're like, okay, this will work. But there's that, there's that next step that says, okay, but if we do this, what is that, what is that going to, how is that going to affect the other churches around us? And, and I think when you are a part of a synod and you want to walk together, you you do have to keep that in mind. And and there are so many churches in our own synod that don't keep that in mind and they create ripples and 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 heartache in other congregations who aren't ready to have those conversations as to why they're doing it and they just did it and and granted as a single entity who have had those conversations and I hope they have can they do those things? And, and so so case in point, can you have um you know a, a worship space that has a bunch of tables and round chairs uh, and, and benches and coffee and you watch everything on a screen? Could you do that? I su- I suppose. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know what principles they were wrestling with. I haven't had that opportunity to wrestle with those yet. Could you do that? Yes, you could. Um, but what is the what what is what is what is being reflected? Um, so sometimes it is, what are you, what have you given up to do that? What offense has someone else in other congregations now taken because of that? Is it worth it? Sometimes it is. I'm not saying it's not. Sometimes, you know, it's okay to force a conversation, but other times it's maybe, maybe we shouldn't do this because it's going to reflect poorly and give other people a very hard time. And so now you've led them to sin because it's against their conscience. Is that really a great way to go? Um, and, and, and as a synod, we really got to be careful and, and, and kind of look at that and be open to those conversations. Um, and I would think that they would happen at a circuit level, but you know as best as I do that that, not, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Sometimes you, you, you get into a circuit meeting or something and they'll say, this is just what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> now you get to deal with it. Um, so I mean, there's I, I, yeah. Is it, I'm I can't help but think about the whole new hymnal conversation. That this is also part of that equation of well, does some congregations decide they they looked at the principle and they say um, for the worship of our of our space uh, we or the the stewardship of our funds that we're not going to buy the new hymnal and and everything that entails. And another congregation next to them says they are, and so it can very, very quickly reach to the the application level where you would say, oh, we bought the new hymnal and we're going to do the hymn, new hymnal here and we're going to do the hymn, new hymnal there. We're going to do the this Lord's Prayer or that Lord's Prayer. Whereas uh, the conversation really merits a longer conversation of both un, of uh, assuming goodwill of the other individual, but then also that other individual also assuming goodwill of the other and, and making this actually thinking it through why aren't we getting the new hymnal what 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 signal does that send what signal uh does it send if we get the new hymnal and all of those things so i'm i'm going to throw out um and be, and i want to move on to traditions because traditions kind of remove us in the realm of principle but go beyond application to something that's more long standing but before we do that i want to i want to throw in something that's probably contentious <laughs> so uh, this has never happened before in the show um, where I brought up something partially contentious. Um, but I, I, I see this, at least I've seen it in my ministry, um, revolving around the topic of, and it revolves around many, many topics, but predominantly I've seen it revolve around the topic of suicide, where, where um, 
what is the principle? So, so suicide is self-murder, um, which is a direct affront to the fifth commandment. Um, any murder is a direct affront. Hate is a direct affront to the fifth commandment. Um, but I've, I've heard it so often in, in, in my ministry from members. Well, um, my confirmation pastor or my, when I was younger, my pastor or my last congregation pastor or whatever said, anybody who commits suicide is automatically going to hell. That, that anybody who commit and they, and they say it just like that. Anybody who commits suicide is automatically going to hell. And it's at that point where the, the pastoral side of me kind of rises up and says, where does it say that? And this is where I try to lead my people into saying, this is the, this is a good example of how do we apply the principle, Right. How do we apply the principle? I had a, I had a, a member. I had a member in my last congregation who whose son had committed suicide, and um, the pastor at the time had said, "Well, the child's in hell." Well, the child had been a member of the church. The child had been worshiping in the church. Um, the child had suffered with depression and um, ended up where where in the in the lowest of low of depression, right in the lowest of low. Um, had lost sight of God's preserving power in the world and rushed into his eternal promise. What do you say to that? You know, what do you, what do you say? To, you go back to the principle and say, okay, yeah, it's a sin. But what do you say to that? My statement okay. is is that so oftentimes when it comes to a place where your con- the confession of the individual is... You have two competing confessions. You have one confession where that person says they're a Christian and one that says they are not because they're not preserving their life and that and they're not believing that God's going to take care of them and they don't see that God's going to bring them through this. And so it's very difficult for us as pastors or as individuals. We want to make determinations about where they're going. We want to apply the principle. And I think I, there's a lot of value in going back to the principle that the apostles did when Judas died where they said, he went to go to the place where he belongs, where there, to me, I understand um, they quoted from the Psalms of, of, of an enemy of God, but they still didn't just say he's in hell. They would just said he went to the place where he belongs. And they let that in God's hands. And I think for us as individuals, as Christians, we are so quick to uh, make that application and make that judgment when it really isn't our field to do that we have two competing uh, confessions there let's rest in that god is the judge he is the one who uh determines where people go sure and if and, and that's one way to go and and i would build on that is that we often do the same thing when it comes to miscarriages where we just therefore we've made a declaration this is where that individual went because of the faith of the parents he said well where is that in scripture that the faith of the parents determines the outcome of the child Whereas you'd go back to the principle of that God wants all people to be saved, that the word works, but God is the judge. And however he decides, it will be just. And that's the harder position because the easier position is to say, well, because I love that child, that child is in, is in heaven. But the harder position is to say, this is God's, this is in God's wheelhouse. This is his court, not mine. I'm not the judge, he is. And so however he's going to decide, if he decides that child, and I'm speaking as someone who's, 
we've gone through miscarriages right. where where we we had to wrestle with well it's god's decision if by his grace that child is in heaven i will say lord thank you for your grace if by god's justice that child is in hell i'll say lord thank you for your grace because you saved the rest the rest of us and god isn't looking at me and the decisions that my wife and i made and saying and factoring that into where that child goes he's resting on um what he has bound himself to which are the means of grace and and i and and it's kind of following that up you know and and like i said this is where we wrestle with and this is where we wrestle with the principle because we can't just make a it's very easy for us to just rely and say okay here's the application this is how i've applied it before or i look into scripture and i say okay there's only two there's only two symbols of of suicide in scripture both of them from unbelievers yeah, Both of right. them went to hell. <laughs> Why did they go to hell? Not because they committed suicide, yeah. but because they were unbelievers. Um, so, so that's not the principle. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just the playing out of unbelievers, however their life was ended, went to hell. That's, that's how that works. Um, but, but in the application, and, and this is a good conversation because the way that you wrestle with it and the way that you apply it is going to be a little different than the way that I wrestle with it and apply it. Because I look at it, and just like our question that just came up um, from Katie, you know, uh, if the Lord came back in the middle of me, in the middle of a sin, would I automatically go to hell? And the answer is no, because we're all sinners in the middle of sinning right now. Grace covers the multitude of those things. And, and there is um, a person where you look at it and say, have they rejected? And, and, and then the question is, how much do they that? reject? And can you determine that? But it, like in the case of this, the member that I talked to, their, their child had been baptized. Their child had gone through confirmation. Their child was regular in attendance around the, the, the means of grace. They had a moment where, where mentally they were deficient. Um, what's the response to that? Well, the response to that is God's word works. The response to that is we are all in those moments, and and by God's grace, sometimes we're saved from them, and by by and other times we succumb to our own weakness. Um, and and so I give hope where hope can be given, right? In the Lord's words, these are these things. And and let's face it, there is never a time in life where we have every single one of doctrine of, of God's doctrines a hundred percent straight in our head. I mean. I, if you've lived the week that I've lived in church right now, you're thinking, oh, dear Lord, take me right now. Just, okay. Would, would I be considered suicidal? No. But would I be happy to go? Yes, I would. Do I know that the Lord is going to preserve through it? Yes. Do I see how? No. But that doesn't mean that I'm, just because I'm struggling with one aspect of 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 the principles that God gives to us and and what God gives doesn't mean that I have fallen completely. And and I would say the same thing, you know, here's another example. Uh, a person who goes out and and they they drink far too much and they get behind the wheel and they drive and then they die and are they going to hell? Well, that's suicide. They drank too much, they drove. That's that's suicide. They, they killed themselves because of that behavior. Now, we don't want to look at it like that. We, we call it something else, but it is what it is. Um, are they going to hell? No, they, they made a mistake. That's, that was contrary to their nature. Um, what if they struggled with alcohol and they had been battling that with the Lord? Would we say they're going to hell? No, 
we'd say that that was a battle. That was something that they were fighting. And and yet God's word works. And here's his grace. Um, the person that probably fits more to me, you know, they're overweight, they're obese. <laughs> you know, it's a slow suicide, right? I know it. Um, and I try to to try to live better, but you keep falling back into those those bad habits. Um, is that a sin? Yes, it is. Am I forgiven? Yes, I am. Um, and so, what if I die of a heart attack because of my obesity? Is is am I? It was my own fault, <laughs> right? Um, y- y- these are the questions when you go back to the principle, and and this is why it is so important for us to know our scriptures. And it's so important for us to wrestle with how am I going to apply this in a, in a good and God-pleasing way to every individual circumstance? Because I'm sure there is going to be a circumstance. And, and in the case of, and, and I mean no disrespect to how you handle uh, miscarriages, but the way I handle, I've handled them numerous times is, has the family been around the means of grace? Have they, have, have during the pregnancy, is the family... Are they hearing God's word? Are they receiving the sacrament? And the answer is yes, God's word works. I, I can't say yes or no, but I can say God's word works. And and there's the hope and comfort, right? God's word works. I've had a question though, where, where a family has had zero contact with the scriptures. The family, zero contact. They're unbelievers and they've had a miscarriage. And, I, and I've, had a, I've had my own members, they say, well, what hope can I give them? What hope would you give them if one of them lost their life now? What hope would you give the spouse? Well, none, because they are not a believer. That's kind of where I am. I go back to the principle and say, well. We give hope where yes. hope can be given. Yeah. And we don't make the the word of God or as a sometime a hocus pocus, like because the child was was hearing the word that that somehow, as, you know, we have to read to our children every day before they go to bed when you're they're in their their mother's stomach because otherwise, what happens if they die during the middle of the night? Where we, where right? The principle is always that God works through His means of grace, and that God is the one that sends people to heaven or hell. He is the one who makes that yep. judgment and determination. The mistake that we make is that we start we we put ourselves in that vocation and say. I'm going to be the judge. I'm going to decide this because really, it really, it's not a matter of the principle that's being involved here is that it's that life isn't fair. Right. That God has allowed this thing, this evil to happen. And so right. how are you going to wrestle with that? So a Christians might wrestle with that by, by leaning on the promises of God and that's good. Um, but to twist the promises of God into the outcome that I want right. would be false because you know what I'm saying? Like if you say, I know the word of God works, so therefore it worked with my child. That's where, yep. that's the problem. That's for me. It's and I agree re- with you. Relying on the, you. on the justice of God and relying on his grace and just, and give hope where hope can be found and, and where hope is actually given. And, and to uh, go more to the throne of grace of God than our rational mind that wants things the way we want them to be because it makes sure. us feel better. And I agree with you. And that's, but, but that's where the hope is. So you, you don't make a proclamation. You can't say, but, but, and and this is sort of answering also a comment that Katie made on there as well. You, we can't see the heart. We can't judge the heart, Mm -hmm. but we can judge what we see. I mean, that, that is true. Um, By, by your words, you confess. And so we can judge a confession. 
Yeah, so and by so your confession, by not coming to church, right. I'm telling you, it looks like the Word of God isn't important to you, so I can't give you any hope and comfort because... Right. Um, you don't have is, it. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, again, it's are we going outside of our vocation and are we uh, relying on the principles or are we using sure. the principles to um, back up an application and a determination that we've already made? Right. But I mean, that's the same thing. We do this every time we have a funeral and we have a Christian funeral. We do this, right? Um, you and I have both, you know, we've had members who, who, have, who have lived in the church. They love the church. They love their Lord. Um, and, and by every semblance of their confession, their verbal confession by action and word, we would say they are secure within in their Lord's arms. Um, now, could they have been the greatest hypocrite and they have bamboozled everybody? Yeah, that that could could have happened. Um, but the application of the principle is when someone asks for forgiveness, we forgive. And so we have. When when a person has gathered and, and said, this is important to me and I'm gathering around the word of the Lord, we treat them as such, um, that these are God's children. And, and, we're, and like our confessions say, which is based off the actual principle of um, where two or three are gathered, there I am with them. Where God's word is and where the, sac- where the sacraments are correctly administered, God's church is. And so we go off of that, right? Um, now, that, that, and, and so we kind of go off the rails a little bit, but it's a good example of, of trying to, to go back to the principle and saying, here's the principle, but then here is, here's how we apply that. Now, in the time that we have left, which is not a lot of time that we have left, um, do we want to tackle the, the section where, where the Lord tackles tradition? It's your show. It is my show. No, it's not my show. <laughs> Come on. Let's not do that. This is this is a joint effort. <laughs> Matthew 15, 1 to 20. You want the whole thing or what do you want? Um, you might not have to go through 20. We just want to get the idea of, of uh, how the Lord kind of responds to those people who use tradition as their excuse. Then the Pharisees and experts in the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For example, God said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of his father or mother should be put to death. But you say that if someone tells his father or mother, whatever help you might have received from me has been dedicated as a gift to God, that man does not need to honor his father or mother. And so you set aside the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Uh oh, what happened? These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching human rules as if they are doctrines. That's probably a good place to to stop to end it. That, that gives us the the flavor, I think, in the, the time we have left. Yeah, so I think this is this is where the the church also then really struggles, um, and the church has struggled for for many, 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 many moons. Um, tradition, <laughs> right? Tradition is a huge thing. This is this is what we do. Well, why do you do it? Because this is what has always been done. And so, if you don't do it, then you're shunned. Um, if you don't do it that way, then it's wrong. Um, yeah, we it light is, the Christmas tree as on Christmas. Yep. We don't light it during Advent. Why? Because that's what we do. 
Right. And if you do that, then it, and then if you if you light it before, you're like, <gasps> you know, somebody, you know, or or and and this follows in my own congregation. You know, I still have people. I don't normally preach from the pulpit unless it's a high holiday. Um, I, I usually preach uh, preach from the the just the front of the the altar. And, and the, the principle that you've employed for preaching in the chancel is the principle that I employ is that there's no barrier between uh, God's word and and us that it is among us and is on our level and it that and also the principle of I'm an extremely nervous person in a nice way when I stand. <laughs> um, but it you know um, the Lord spoke among His people. He didn't speak above them. He didn't enter the pulpit area and and say, okay, well now there's this prefabricated barrier. Um, and, and perhaps in the past at St. John Maribel, they spoke from the pulpit because they needed to make sure the words were heard. Uh, and that could be too. I'm not saying it's that. wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's nothing against, I have nothing against anybody who preaches from the pulpit. I choose not to, um, unless it's a high holiday. But but there's there's a lot of, right? A lot of people who are fall on either side. And, and, and the tradition is, well, this is what we do, but why, why does it have to be? I mean, and if you go back into church architecture, you could say, well, this is why they did it before. This is what was the idea, um, where the Lord's words were above us speaking down to us. I, 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 okay. Um, or, but yeah, making sure everyone could hear it. Right. Right. Um, but we have sound systems now and, and, you know, we, we, we can share God's word on the on the same level as as our people, and and you can take your Bibles home and you can read them. You've never, so I mean, they're on the same level as you are. Uh, it, but it's one of those things where tradition can get in the way. Um, the tradition can get in the way of gospel ministry and proclamation because most people don't remember the principle that was enacted for the tradition. And and unless you do, and you continue to go back to it and say we still do this because. Um, why are we doing those traditions? Why are we keeping them? Right? And that becomes, and this is sort of what the Lord is saying, right? In chapter 15, he's like, okay, you're using your traditions now to go against the principles, the, the very principles of what you wanted to do or what I have asked you to do. You're using your own traditions to go against that. Now they're man-made rules. So these didn't flow from me. These these are yours um, that you're you're using to go against me. Yeah, so. example of a pulpit being the only way that God's word can be proclaimed because it has to be proclaimed from a position of authority. Right. Yeah. Okay, but that's that's a tradition. That's not you know God's word should be meant among people. There's also a tradition of the gospel being read in the midst of the congregation. So what right. you know why don't we do that? So uh, it does become a matter of uh, is is your tradition serving the principle or is your tradition becoming the principle? And in these cases, it was the tradition was becoming the principle that uh, they wanted to not take care of their, their parents by giving it to the, to the church instead. Right. And they made it look better. Yeah. See, we made it look nice. We did this and it looks, looks good mm-hmm. on paper. Um, but it is, it is going against the, the Lord's words, which is again, and this is where, where maybe we kind of wrap up everything. Um, you know, we, we kind of, and you played very well in the, in the framework of the limited notes. <laughs> but, 
going, be, you know, to the principle and beyond it, the, the whole point of the show is, is that we go back to the principle before we can move forward, before we can move forward as a church, before we can move forward as God's people, we must always go back to God's word. What does God's word say? How, how did he apply it? In, in, in the ways that he in in ways that he has applied it then how can we apply it in our life and it's going to be different it's not always going to be the same um sometimes you're going to have to come out and the law is going to have to predominate and you're going to have to have a, a firm no sometimes it's going to be well the law is here but grace is now able to be given because there's a struggle and there and and and, and it's been uh, interacted in their life and now you can apply something different um, but you go back to those principles and you reapply them in, in, in the ways that they need to be and then sometimes there's going to have to take a stand and say you know these traditions are made to be broken because no one remembers why they're here um, and some of them are made to be upheld because they still are preaching and teaching what needs to happen um, but we go back to God's word we see what Christ has done we see what God has given and we see what he continues to do and uh, we learn to live uh, in this world that God has given to us as Christians. 